adoption journey may seem overwhelming at first, but More to Love, an adoption podcast, is here to provide you with resources, experiences, interviews, advice, and tools to help guide you on your path to adoption. Hosted by a board-certified adoption attorney, this podcast shares the raw and real truths, the struggles and the triumphs, and the real-life family experiences that prove there is always more to love. Let's welcome our adoption expert and podcast host, Nicole Moore. Hello and happy February, the month of love. Can you feel it in the air? Our guest today exudes her love for adoption through her nonprofit, her yearly public celebrations of adoption, and her published children's book on adoption. Let's dive in and discuss how adoption is love with today's guest, an adoptive mother of two, Deidre Klein Okapinti. Hi, Deidre. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So how did adoption enter your life? So adoption entered my life because at 36, when my husband and I were ready to start a family, uh, medically, that wasn't going to happen. We had lots of fertility issues for four years. And at that point, I knew this was not the plan that God had for me. So we started the adoption process and we are now parents of two beautiful children. So in that process of adopting, you're enjoying your life, you've successfully adopted two kids, you're going on with your family. When did you decide to write a book? So when Alec was, my first son was 18 months old, I was told by a plethora of physicians, social workers, that I need to use the word adoption in our vocabulary while they're young. And I thought I should go to Barnes & Noble and find a nice big book that I could read to him that shows adoption and explains adoption at age 18 months, two years old. It's got to be a children's book. And that year, so that was 2009, there was not one children's picture book at Barnes & Noble that explained adoption. And I was told by the employee there to go to the self-help section, which was strange. And when I got to the self-help section, it said how to deal with adoption. And it just had a very negative feeling. So I decided to write my own children's picture book. Wow. I remember adoptive parents bringing their young, young children that are just learning to walk by our office and telling them this is who helped with your adoption and really trying to implement a a positive connotation with the word. And we would all take pictures. And I agree that it's very important to introduce from a young age. And so you found yourself not being able to take that keen advice from the professionals and read the book. So what did you do to introduce adoption to him? So I started out by hitting the ground running, trying to write my own children's picture book. Thought that I would be able to do that within the year, but it took me 10 years to get published. So I had to go to plan B while that was being put out there for publishers to consider. So when I went to to the bookstore and there were no children's picture books on adoption, and I set out to write my own children's picture book, which turned out to be take me a few more years than I thought. I then went to the library and I did find some adoption books in the animal section, cute books about how a bunny rabbit came part of the family of dogs. And it just showed children in a way that they can relate to animals that making a family is by love and 
those people around you become your family. So tell us a little bit about writing your book and what message you are seeking to get out. What is it called? My book is called Super Alex, Very Super Day. And my initial goal for this book was to relate adoption to Superman because everyone knows Superman. Kids know Superman. And it's a perfect introduction to teach children what adoption really means through Superman because he came to this earth without his birth parents and his human parents adopted him and became his family. And so I wanted to use Superman in my story However, there were many, many rules and laws against using Superman actually in the story. So I made Alec my superhero. And Alec is your son, correct? Yes. And so tell us briefly what the story is about. So the story starts out with just Super Alec at home doing normal kids things, and it takes you through every day. He's going to work on this project to surprise his parents. You, you can see his mom looking in the background going, what is Alec doing? And he uses all of his superpowers to complete this project. And when you get closer to the end of the story, it shows Alec setting up a nursery for his little sister that's coming through adoption as well. And once she comes comes to the house and the, the room is all decorated for Kate. And now he can explain to Kate how, how she's a superhero and how she's adopted just like he is. So the whole story is about Alec preparing the nursery for his super adopted sister. I love that. I love that. I used to be before a judge here in Orlando and the judge at every adoption finalization hearing would share a story about his own daughter that was adopted. And she actually felt like she had superpowers because he mentioned a story when, you know, she was younger and out on the playground with other kids and kids would fuss or, you know, make fun of each other and you're this and you're that and no, you are, no, you are. And he said, well, his daughter would turn around and say, well, I'm adopted. So take that. And it was, her way of saying, I'm chosen, I'm awesome, I'm a superhero because I'm adopted. And she carried that pride with her because she was adopted through her whole life. So I love that story and I love the importance of it and how it can help kids feel that way. And so after the book, some point decided to do more for your love for adoption and promote and advocate further. Tell us about that. Yes, that's actually a very interesting story, Nicole. So I wanted to do more. My book is on Amazon and it did reach a lot of adoptive families and I was very happy about that, but I wanted to reach out to more families in a bigger way. I was actually slated to be on the Today Show with Hoda Kotb. As we all know, she's an adoptive mom and I was one of three guests being considered during National Adoption Month in November to be on the Today Show. Unfortunately, I was not chosen, there was a celebrity mom who was chosen to share her story. And I can understand, I can understand that. But I took that kind of negative, you know, you're not getting on the Today Show. And I said, you know what, I'm going to stick around, make it local, reach all of our local adoptive families right here in Orlando. And I wanted to do something fun and big. Because of COVID, we couldn't do a parade, which was our first initial idea. So we run this very open space carnival outside for all the children to come and celebrate. It's complimentary. And in addition, we're raising money to give to maybe some couples who can't afford to adopt. That's also part of the carnival. And 
it's just such a fun time and I'm, I'm so proud to host it every year. So tell us a little bit more about the mission behind it. So the mission behind my carnival is to create a positive awareness around adoption health. It is such a wonderful thing and miracle to be able to adopt and achieve your family. And it's not always, as you had said, it's it, sometimes it can be thought of as a negative. My son came home from fourth grade one day and he said, Mom, how come some people think adoption can be a negative thing? And, and that's what I want to prevent, especially my own children and, and everyone, everyone. It's not a, a negative thing. And let's celebrate it and they can come out and have cotton candy and ride rides and just be proud of their story. You know, I think that even with the best laid plans and the best books, unfortunately, kids get made fun of and bullied for, you know, anything. Their nose is too big or if their nose isn't big enough, it's too small. I mean, you know, I just find that children, unfortunately, can be hurtful if not um, properly taught kindness and diversity. And certainly I have heard in public schools, well, that's not your real parents. Has your children ever experienced? experienced that or anything else negative and I, I wonder how they handled that. In addition to promoting it as such a healthy, loving, positive thing at home, also found child therapists for my children to be able to speak to them if they had anything bothering them. And I've got to tell you, my son is now 13 and my daughter is nine. Other than that fourth grade situation where he came home and said, oh, why do some people not think it's a positive thing? I don't know if I'm doing that good of a job or if it hasn't happened yet to where somebody has made that a negative thing, but it has not happened yet. And of I have to tell you, and I'm ready for it because they're still young, but it has not happened. And, and maybe it's because we gave out his books to all the fifth graders at his school and they just loved it. And they wanted Alec to sign the book. And he just felt so special that maybe, you know, I really am making a difference. Well, I sure would like to think that you are. And I certainly think that when you are understanding some of the situations that your adopted child might be placed in and vetting that and having an open dialogue with your children, handling those situations, that certainly helps. And I went to speak to my son is in fifth grade and I spoke to his class on career day about adoption. And I was lucky enough that there was a girl that was adopted in their class. And, you know, we kind of spoke about it. Some people knew, some people didn't know, but she's just like everyone else. She has two parents that adore her. I think that after I left, I felt certain that if there was any situation where someone was saying something negative about that's not your real parents or you're adopted or your parents didn't want you, I feel that at least a handful of that class would know how to handle that appropriately, would either stick up or say what they learned. And education is the way that we can make this more positive and reduce the any negative stigmas that these children have to experience. And I think that your advocacy in spreading the word through the book and through your your carnival and, and celebration is one really great way to do it. So what is the carnival called and when do you host it? So every National Adoption Day is in November every year. It's actually the Saturday before 
Thanksgiving is the actual official day. We typically do the carnival the day after on a Sunday. So the day after National Adoption Day in November, we hold our carnival here in Orlando. And it's called Children's Adoption Celebration. And you will be holding it this year as well? I will be holding it this year as well. Yes. And I'm hoping for many, many years to come and hoping it's going to get larger and larger to reach more and more people. And don't you usually have a key speaker at these events? Yes, actually, for the last two years, we've had Pat Williams. He's a local celebrity. He is co-founder of The Magic. And what's so interesting about Pat is he has biological children, and then he has 11 adopted children. So he was a phenomenal speaker to talk to people about how adoption is the answer to your family. And it was amazing to hear him speak to our attendees at the carnival about adoption. That's wonderful, just giving another voice to adoption. And so in addition to the carnival, you had mentioned that you, through your nonprofit, also raise money to give adopted parents some financial assistance. Yes, absolutely. Um, Other than creating a positive awareness around adoption, we want to give money to a couple in need that want to start their family through adoption. And it's sometimes it can be very high cost. And we want to help as many people as we can because of the magic that adoption has brought into our lives. And we want to help someone else with that same scenario. That's wonderful. And so if there are listeners that want to donate to your nonprofit or get more information about your mission and your carnival, is there a place that they can go or a website? Yes, it's called childrensadoptioncarnival.com. Wonderful. So the listeners can definitely get more information um, by going to that website. And so how has this experience of you sharing your adoption story so publicly, how has your children been affected by that? I'm sure positively, but, but how, what, what's their role in this? My daughter, who is nine, has embraced it lately more than my 13-year-old. You know, she dressed up as a superhero, and my son was there. He came on stage, and so they come up on stage and set an example for other children. Like, we have a family, like you had said. We have parents. They love us. Look how special it is. As my son gets older, noticing that he's not wanting to come up on stage as much, maybe because he's a teenager now, so I'm trying to navigate that right now. Well. Well, certainly that can be attributed to age and not necessarily adoption. And there are some people that are really open and sharing their stories and some adoptees aren't as open. And certainly that's fine too. I'm so interested in your intent to spread an adoption positive experience. And I wonder, did you have any negative experiences throughout your adoptions? A lot of the thinking is that, you know, you will feel differently because you didn't give birth to this child or you're not biologically related to this child. And honestly, I find sometimes the husbands are more white picket fence, biological child. And so the negative is not there. Once you have that child in your arms, you are their mom. You are their father. You are their everything. And you will not look back and say, oh, I did not give birth to this child. It doesn't, it doesn't come up. You are just that child's family forever and ever. And did you have that? Because certainly that is a natural fear and maybe not a stigma, but maybe it's out there as a natural question 
Did you question that yourself? Gosh, you know, will I be as close to this child as if was able to have my own? Yeah, that you're really having me think back 13 years and these are real feelings. And Alec came 10 weeks early. So we we knew that Alec was going to be our son. We were matched with the birth mom. However, we got a call. It's an emergency. He's he's got to come out now. So when Alec was born, he he was very sick. His lungs didn't work. That's the last thing to develop in utero. He was so early, so premature that every single day I could potentially go into the hospital and hear something devastating like, a a bleed in his brain. So when I walked into that NICU and saw Alec, I was afraid to love him. I was afraid to hold him. I was, I didn't want to love this baby if he wasn't going to make it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I haven't said that or, or ever. I don't think I've ever said that out loud. And as soon as I held him and I knew he needed me and it didn't matter what happened from then on, I was his mom. See, that's so powerful, Deidre. I thank you for being so vulnerable because that is what this podcast is about. I want our listeners that have these same fears and hear these same things to hear directly from someone who has experienced it and said, yes, I thought that and feared that. And the minute I held him, the rest is history. I mean, and not only did you have like this perfectly beautiful, clean, healthy angel, you had a child that was a premature in the NICU, medical issues, and you still immediately did not shy away or let the fear of what might happen to him get in any any way of that bond immediately. Yes, exactly. And you don't know that until you get there and do it. And so I'm here to tell you that it happens. The moment you hold that child, it's yours and you you're, there's no looking back. Would you say that your husband felt the same way or do you see a difference in that kind of with mothers and fathers? So with my husband, like he does everything in life, he's all in. He proposed to me right away. He just, he knows what he wants when he wants it. And so day one, he said, that's our son. So he came around a lot faster than me in this case. Wow. That's really interesting too, because sometimes I hear the opposite. So I love getting a different point of view and a different experience to share. So how long was he in the hospital before you could take him home? So Alec was in the hospital for six and a half weeks and I was there with him every day, 10 hours a day. So I resigned from my my job to take care of him. So I felt like I gave birth to him. I was with him every step of the way. And how long into Alex's life did you say, oh, wow, I want to do this again. This was a great experience. Right away. I was right away. Alec, he's so healthy. He completely recovered from all of his prematurity and I was ready to do it again and right away. But this time it took a lot longer to be matched with Kate. It just, it all depends. You just never know. You know, Alec, we got matched in two months and Kate, it was going on 12 months and I had to call the agency and I said, Hey, what's going on? And so we did have to wait a little bit longer for Kate. You know, sometimes I think that can be when a birth mom is picking a family. I do think that sometimes they say, well, I want a family that cannot have any kids and doesn't have any kids. But then other times they say, well, actually, I come from a big family and I definitely want my child to have a sibling. And so they might prefer where there is a sibling. It just it just all depends. In reading these books to your children and sharing them with their class and what feedback have you received with book and the success of reaching adoptive parents? I had a mom in the fourth grade class where we gave out the book 
tell me, you know, she's a 60-year-old woman. Her child was 10. She goes, I, I adopted my daughter when she was a baby, and the mom was 50. So now she's 60. And we wouldn't have known that. It was interesting because Alec had a crush on a little girl, and it turned out to be her. She was adopted. And we didn't know that until we reached out to the class. In Kate's grade, I think she was kindergarten or first grade, you know, I had parents texting me or emailing me, this is so wonderful, my child's adopted, and, and nobody ever knew that. And so it kind of made people feel okay to talk about it, and it is special. And I get those stories all the time, especially with my book. They read the book to their child, they're like, oh, mom, I'm a superhero too. And it just makes it all worth, worth it that a child could feel that way and they're adopted. I do think it's interesting that until you're in the adoption world, you don't know how many people are adopted in your in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your town. And once you kind of fly that flag, like, hey, we love adoption, then it's like the waterworks come out. Oh, we're adopted. Oh, we adopted. I'm adopted. She's adopted, you know? And so I know that there's a lot of families that don't fly that flag and to each their own. But I do think that we are able to destigmatize any negatives or any misconceptions about adoption. We do speak so openly about it and we do share our stories like yours. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you have to our listeners that are adopting and in the process or have just adopted? What advice do you have for them about speaking to their child about adoption? In the past, a long time ago, 20 years ago, you didn't talk about it. You just didn't. And now we do. And that's what you're supposed to do. And it's it's amazing. And it's it's to be shouted off the rooftop. My advice is if you are in the process of adopting, there are, as you probably know, huge challenges with paperwork and misinformation. But just remember, in the end, you will be a mom. You will be a dad. This You will adopt a child. You have to hang in there and trust the process. And you will be a mom or dad. That's something I never believed would happen to me. I, I said, I'm never going to be a mom. This is, I'm never, and I am, and I'm happy and I have my family. So just hang in there. If you've adopted a child, what's interesting is be prepared to answer questions the way you want them to be answered. So just be thinking about that. And so how would you answer those questions when someone said that? Where did Kate get that hair? Well, Joe and I differ on that. And I want to shout it out. Oh, my beautiful daughter is adopted. She has some Latin in her and that's where her hair came from. And I like to tell that story, but Joe just likes to say, oh, we have some French ascent in our genetics. And so you don't have to tell everybody where she got her hair. You don't have to. It's, it's up to you. I feel like as my children get older, I'm explaining it less and less. So the, the one thing I would like to advise is practice these questions because you're going to get them all the time and you don't want to regret what you said. So be prepared. Right, right. So the answer is not as important as just preparing yourself for the questions that you might get. Yes. And more importantly, I think as your children do get older, you know, and they're watching you, how you handle it is going to be definitely a message to them as as how they can handle it. And certainly there has to be an age that you can sit down with your children to say, how, how would you like me to handle these questions? Because you're old enough now to kind of answer yourself. 
exactly, Nicole. So just recently, actually last week, the teachers asked the students to bring in a book to donate. So of course, you know, I want Alec to take our book in. I said, Alec, you know, your English teacher would absolutely love a book written about you. And he declined. He didn't want to bring his book into his English teacher. You know, I respect that. And my daughter's a different story. She wants, she brought him in for the whole class. And I asked him, I said, if do you want to take the book in? And he said, no, mom, I'll take a different book in. And I respected it. Well, I think that's so important too, because it is his story. And if he doesn't want to share it, then we don't want to force him. And, you know, you have your daughter who who feels differently and they both can feel differently and, and we can support them both. So I think that's, that's really important that you don't want to push them to share something that maybe they don't want to fly the flag as high as we might want to. Absolutely. Some children are just want to be quote unquote normal. They want to be like everyone else. They don't want to feel any more special than the next person. So yes, agreed. As they get older, you can get a feeling for how they want to deal with it. That's so interesting how you worded that, Deidre. Some kids may not want to feel special. And so, you know, I never really thought of it from that perspective, but we are selling how special and precious and loving adoption is, but there is a case to be made for kids wanting to not have anything different about them. And so being special, even though we feel the positive connotation is also maybe different. So I'm sure we could speak a whole podcast about (laughs) how maybe feeling special is not a desired event for a child. Absolutely. And, you know, my son, he just likes to roll with it. He doesn't want to be pointed out. He doesn't want the limelight on him at this point anyway. So we're just going to navigate what he wants. Yeah. Meet them where they are. I think that's so important. What can our listeners expect to see or do or learn at your November carnival this year? Our November carnival will be complimentary again this year. It will be from one o'clock to four o'clock on Sunday, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. What you will expect at the carnival is carnival rides, games. We're going to have horseback riding for the kids. We have a rock wall this next year here, 2022. We're actually going to, now that my son's 13, we're going to add some bungee jumping and kind of some more fun things for older kids to do. We have an ice cream truck, complimentary again, and we're going to have a new speaker this year. We hope it's going to be an Olympian that's adopted. We're going to have that person speak. So it's just come and celebrate and be together as a family and celebrate our adopted kids. That's wonderful. And people who are shaking their head and, and share your thoughts and, and your mission, what can they do short of starting a nonprofit and raising awareness and money and focus? What are some small things that they can just do to advocate and educate about adoption? I guess the biggest thing for advocating for our adoption community is to just be encouraging, encouraging and understanding and knowing what our children need. And they need parents, they need structure, they need stability. And that's for any child, not just adopted children. All of our children's needs are the same. And maybe if you don't have an adoptive child, perhaps educating your own child that just how people look different and they come from different places and they're different religions that some 
some people don't live with their birth parents, but they have other parents that are just as loving and the same, just sharing that, you know, because if you don't have a connection to adoption, that might not be a conversation that you have in your home. Yes, true, correct. Well, I hope that a lot of people will come to your event in November. I hope that people will, again, look into your book. Should they uh, be looking for a way to explain adoption to their children? And you had mentioned the need for support and encouragement. And my last question for you, Deidre, is where did you get the support and encouragement on your own journey? Initially, my family, I have a very big family. There's five children and my parents are still alive. They were so encouraging and they had seen what I had gone through with fertility and wanting to be a mom and have an amazing family. And so initially it was my immediate family. But secondly was the social workers and the nurses in the NICU at Winnie Palmer were amazing. I couldn't have done it without them. Oh, I love that. I've heard the same from from many parents. No parent wants to be in the NICU with their baby. Certainly if you are, I've heard that our local hospital here does have amazing social workers and nurses that give the parents a room just as though they gave birth to the child and treat them as such, which is the goal. We do a lot of training in the hospitals to make that happen and to make that a norm. And I'm glad that you had a good experience. It was huge. It was a huge resource for me. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again for coming today, Deidre. And I encourage everyone to look into your website and your book and your carnival. And I think it's wonderful that you are now even fundraising to share the gift of adoption through financial grants with adoptive families. That's just huge. And I just think the world of you. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. It was really an honor to be here. I hope we can reach out to as many adoptive parents, children as we can. And I am impressed of all you have done as well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of More to Love, an adoption podcast. And speaking of love, there is always more to go around. So if you or someone you know is going through the adoption journey, please, please, please share our podcast. Help us spread the word by liking us on Facebook at Jeannie Tate PA, connecting with us on LinkedIn, or following us on Twitter. As a reminder, this podcast is not intended to, nor does it, create the attorney-client privilege between myself, guests, contributors, and or any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. So thanks again for joining us. We cannot wait for you to join us next time on More to Love.